Hey podcast, welcome back. My name is Jasmine Wonders. I am one of your co-hosts along with RJ Rome. Before we jump straight into the episode, I want to take a second to say thank you for being here. And if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe, leave us a comment on social with your thoughts. And now to the episode. All right, so welcome, Anne. Welcome to Married to My Writing. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us what you write, where you're from. Sure. Okay, my name is Anne Darling, and I am from just outside of Toronto, Canada, and I write contemporary romance. And I like to think that it's the kind of the regular people. It's not like the high fantasy of, you know, kind of that's out of reach and can't be reached. I like to write about the, the real people. Is it and on the related. steamier side or is there's a, it there's sweet? A bit, there's a little bit of steam. There's a little bit of steam, which adds that part of the fantasy that most people don't live like. But uh, but it's more of like the blue collar, the regular people, something that you could possibly relate to. I like that. that. Those are the best kind of stories, the relatable characters where you can be immersed in their world. So um, is, is that like your approach to to writing romance? Yeah, I, I think so. It's it's. I mean, those other books where you know you're with the spies and the the billionaires and everything. I mean, that's that's always lovely, but it's obviously a fantasy world. Um, it's always nice a, a, nice to come back, I think, and live where it's possibly could happen. You possibly could meet that wealthy man, but he's a down to earth guy, and you know he's just a regular blue collar guy. You know, there's, right. there's there's a sense of reality there. Okay, so we had done um, the summer heat and anthology back in May and yeah. we wrote novellas. Can you tell us about Midnight Swim? Sure. It's um it's a story about uh Megan and uh and she basically suffers some type of childhood childhood trauma and she's dealing with it and she's dealing with it on her own on her own terms and she meets this man and who kind of um, basically sends her world upside down and and now she has to deal with what she dealt with in the past and her childhood trauma now it comes out to the time frame to the current and it's how she accepts her love for this man as well as what happened to her in the past did you find it difficult to write with the word count limit under the constraint of the word count limit yeah I actually did I um I, I've been trying so hard to expand on some of the stories to make it a fuller story so since I've been working on that in my own stuff on the side on my um, my main uh, projects that I've been doing now to be kind of pulled back and have it done in uh, a much more um, succinct way of telling the story it was a little difficult for me to kind of put everything in there that I wanted to in such a short little story so things had to kind of uh, be left out so you're changing it up a little bit for when you re-release it on your own um, if I if I decide to re-release it on my own, yeah, I do think there's some 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 of the story I would like to expand a little bit more. I felt they got together a little too quickly. There would have been a little bit more of a back and forth and a little bit more hesitation on on Megan's side of things. So I would like to expand more on her backstory, right. as well as um, kind of uh, the relationship status and stuff. Maybe that extend that a little bit more. So it's a little bit more will they, won't they type of relationship versus well they're going to <laughs> right a <laughs> little an- more angsty 
A little bit, a little bit. Now that's if I decide to 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 add to it and and re-release it on its own. I haven't decided just yet if I'm going to, if I'm going to move on to other stories that I want to tell. Do you incorporate any pieces of yourself into the stories you write? I think that's actually where um, I, I, I enjoy doing that. In the first book, When One Door Closes, the whole description, I have a, a piece of retirement property that ultimately when I can retire, I'm going to go to. Um, and for those of people that know me and, and know my life and everything else, they would probably pick that up. That the whole description of the lands and the house and, and the forest and, and all that that I tried to put into the story, that is essentially my life. That is where my retirement property looks like and, and, and everything about it. And then in the next book with, with Leather Love and Tattoos, uh, with motorcycles, that's that's my honey's bike you know like that in fact if you were to get the paperback version there's a slight image of his bike on the back cover and oh, uh, wow. so that's kind of how I, I you, you write what you know mm-hmm. right and yeah. that's kind of where I come from and that's where I feel comfortable does your family know that you're writing that's actually funny you should bring that up when I started the first story I kept it close I didn't tell anybody uh beyond um my honey that he he but he didn't know right away either I kind of did that on my own till I got to a certain point and I'm like what do you think of this uh but I didn't tell my parents and until one night um my my father's health had been failing for a while now and we thought we were going to lose him the February of the year my book was released we actually thought we were going to lose him so I told him at that point he had um he actually developed a like for Janet Ivanovich. He was reading her books, which surprised me. I didn't think he'd be interested in that sort of stuff, but he would laugh for (laughs) hours reading these books. So I knew that um, we kind of had that bond with, with reading and everything else. So I told him he wasn't able to speak to me because he had, you know, medical equipment on him, but I showed him the cover and I I told him what I'd been doing and he was shocked, but not surprised. Mm. So I kind of used that as a way to, uh, keep him going so he would be there long enough so he can see the final product unfortunately he died the same day I signed off on my final sign off of my book that was the day he actually passed so he actually never saw the the completed package and yeah that was that was a bit of a regret for my part because Mm. I could have shown him the draft I had the the PDF and the word version of it, I could have shown it to him, but I wanted him to hold the book. I wanted him to touch the pages and, and see every, he wouldn't be allowed to read certain pages. Those would, he would not be allowed to read those special pages because that's, <laughs> you don't want your dad to read but that no. stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I, I wanted him to see it, but unfortunately that's, so that's a regret I'll always have that he didn't get a chance to see it. But I know from his reaction when I told him about it, that I know he he'd be supportive. Mm. And so when I wrote the next book, I mean, like you mentioned before, about putting about stuff of your own in there, um, I dedicated it to my dad. And uh, the name of the bar is actually my dad's, uh, my mom's nickname for my father is Quincy. Mm. And so the name of the bar is Quincy's. So there was a l- element of that. So I knew when my mom read it, she'd get a little kick out of that. And, you know, so a little personal touch was added in. So it was my way of, of thanking him for his support, even though he really didn't have a chance to experience everything. Wow, that sounds really cool. A little a little emotional. I mean, it's, it, yeah. It's it's supposed to be your your happy time. Like although right. the final sign off was pretty much just a formality because there were no changes that were going to be made at that point. 
um, to know that it was supposed to be like, oh, I'm done. I, you know, a couple days from now, and this is it. And and then to have the other the other sad part of it kind of kick into is is very emotional day that day. If you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. what what made you not tell them about it right away? Oh, self doubt. Okay. Um, you know, you didn't you didn't want to hear people tell you no. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hear that. Right, right. And just and just worried about their opinion. I mean, although. Deep down inside, you know, your your parents are always going to support you. They're always going to say good things. But you never know, right? There is that chance that they say, well, why would you do that? Or why would you waste your time? Or, you know, you're not exactly right. 20 anymore, you know, <laughs> and all and all these things. And and I and I guess I was just a little nervous. Mm. And then I was surprised because at that point, there was no reason for me to be nervous. Um, my honey was very supportive. He was like, yeah, go for it. You know, do, do whatever you got to do. And my, and my mom and everything else, my, my whole family and friends, once it came out in the open, then I started telling everybody. And, uh, and that was where I, I shouldn't have been worried at, at all. They were very supportive, very kind, very, you know, let me see what's going on and, and all that type of attitude. So that's kind of the real reason why I kept it so close. So I also feel the same way. There's only about a handful of people that know that I'm I'm writing, um, yeah. and I write under a pen name because yeah, so do I. So do like I. <laughs> that kind of privacy aspect, yeah, absolutely. Um, but does it feel like you're living a double life, sort of? And do you have trouble balancing home versus writing slash work? Yes, <laughs> no question <Yeah. laughs> about it. I mean, you you were just, you know I'm sure you you've experienced the same thing. It's it's okay. There's one thing to be supportive where, you know, someone says financially, you know, you're going to be taking some money out of the household budget, you know, right. go ahead, do what you got to do. Then there's the other part. Well, it'd be really supportive if you did the laundry, if you did some of these chores that have, you know, are on my plate, that would also be supportive as well. I don't necessarily have all that. So my last time my honey decided to do a load of laundry, I don't even know. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I do find, I do find the balance between taking time for myself to do what I want to do versus I still got to do this. I still got to go to work. I still got to pay bills. The dog got to be fed, you know, and all that, all these things. So yes, it's, it is a balancing act. And sometimes more likely I find that unless I put my foot down and say, I'm going to do this, it can very easily slide to the back burner very right. easily. I don't want it to. Uh, one of the benefits was, were that my husband is on shift work. And so when he's on shift, uh, that's when I would take the time to kind of have my own little moment. Mm. It's quiet. The TV's that's great. off. So I try to do that. But then that still doesn't take away from the fact that you still got a vacuum. You still got to do the grocery right. shopping. <laughs> yeah. So it is it is a bit of a juggling act. I agree. And so many times I've fallen victim to that. I let it fall to the backside and it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Absolutely. I totally agree. So you and I have chatted in the past about um, the pressure to release books quickly. Yeah. Um, and I know you and I were kind of on the same page that it's, it's quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with the pressure that you see on Instagram and other social media platforms to, to stay in your own head when it comes to releasing? It's, it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster, I guess. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, forget it. That's their business. They can do whatever they got to do. But then, then you have to be current. You have to constantly post on Instagram. Well, after a while, you know, I'm posting about my latest book. Well, my latest book is a year old. Right. You know, so there is that battle too of, I should be putting out new product, new something. So 
you know, you're trying to get everything finished. So it is, it is a battle. And I guess you just got to trudge your way through it. You can't let it get to you, but you can't help it sometimes. I know it's not really an answer, but it's just one of those things where you just got to do it. Right. And uh, right now I'm working on the, on the sequel to Leather Love and Tattoos, and it's about three quarters done. And I go through, like, all of a sudden I'm in the zone and I'm just, you know, 2,000, 3,000 words in a day. I'm wow. like, this is easy, right? <laughs> and then other times I'm like, oh, what now? You know, like, wh- where am I going to take this people now? I, you know, my, my poor main character was, was uh, basically rounding third base and heading for home and I couldn't finish off that part of it. <laughs> so the poor guy was probably very uncomfortable about three weeks <laughs> later by the time I got back to his situation. Uh, so that was kind of where I, and then I had to start the back of the beginning of the book because I wanted to get back into that zone again. So I kind of right. started back and led into it. I'm like, okay, now you can round home. There you go. Now you're yeah. getting for home. <laughs> good for you buddy you know that type of thing I love that and I do the same thing I'm back and forth and I'm rereading what I've already written to try and make it cohesive and it is it's it's a struggle (laughs) it works out in the end I think in the end yeah like I think so like I by doing that anthology I I, it gave me a chance to read some other people's stories and 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 kind of not that you're going to not that you're going to compare yourself to someone else because you can't compare yourself to you shouldn't compare yourself to other people but right. it did give me a chance to see am i am i at a same level that these other people who've had a little more experience than me do i can, can i can i'm going to use the word compare but can i relate can i compare to them like am i at the same standard and i was actually very pleased i i was very pleased with knowing yeah you know what i do say stuff like that or that is kind of how I lead into that particular situation. So I felt like I kind of belonged. And so it was very good for me to do that anthology with you guys. It was it was an experience and I really enjoyed it. How do you balance kind of between doing what you want to do and kind of doing what everyone else is doing? You know, I think there's always that uh, sense of like, okay, everybody's doing this now in romance. Should I do that? Or should you stay kind of doing what you choose to do? How do you balance between that? Well, I was, I was on, um, I was, you know, looking under Harlequin and how they, they send, you know, kind of examples of kind of the, the framework the, that you should have and like, okay, you should have two sex scenes in the book, or, you know, you should have this kind of by, by about maybe the third of the way through, they should be naked at this point. <laughs> and so I, I kind of follow that. Okay. Um, but I also kind of, I, I don't, I don't use a frame. I, I use a framework and I don't, I actually think of it more like a movie in my head when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm typing it out. And so if it happens to come up where, yeah, they probably would be having sex around this time, then I throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not what others, cause I'm thinking that's what I would, I mean, I'm already at page 80 and no one's naked yet. You know what? Probably somebody right. should be getting naked. And so like, I want to read that. I don't want to wait any longer. So I kind of, I use it as a guideline, but not as, as hard and fast rule. In fact, I've, the book I'm working on now is I had a, I, there was a backstory that was very important to the relationship of the two characters and they, they have a history, but I didn't want to sit there and recap the history. Like it would be boring if someone was just telling you how they got to this point. So I tried to figure out a way of doing it. So I actually start the book right now with them hitting the sack and, and go from there. So, and I've never read that in someone else's book before where they, you know, the prologue has one of the sex scenes in it. So I, I, so I, 
I, I thought that was different. I thought, you know what? Let's throw that in there. Let's see. Because it, it does explain a lot to the story without me actually boring people with explaining their history. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought it was different. So we'll see if people like it. <laughs> How does your connection kind of to the outdoors help you come up with stories? Because I can tell you, obviously, our, our, you know, you said you camp and all these things. How does yeah. that help you frame story ideas? Well, when I'm relaxed, that's when the stories come out there. So part of it just being out there and sitting by the campfire or like said, what the pictures on my Instagram of my trailer, that's the property that was my retirement property. So like, I love going there. I love to, you know, sit in the trailer. I love to sit on the deck. I may not be writing at the time, Mm -hmm. but some of these stories have popped into my head when I've been in that type of relaxed zone. So I guess that plays a role. Um, And just... I mean, I, I ride, we ride the bike up there all the time. So that type of experience as well, when I pull that into my stories, I guess that's where it would come from, just in a different place, a different mindset. I actually like the small town feel versus the city life. Mm. So the series that, that Leather, Love and Tattoo starts off with, that takes place in a, a small type town. So that's kind of, I guess, where my, my ideas come from and where I want to focus them on. All right. So tell us about the motorcycles. Um, do you, do you ride by yourself or I, I am learning. Okay. Um, My, my honey, it used to be a motorcycle instructor Mm. before he, uh, before he became a a copper, he, uh, he, he was a motorcycle instructor. And so he's teaching me how to ride, but that's very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't because He'd also be like, you should know this by now. You know, that type of attitude. <laughs> oh, boy. So I, I explained to him that um, you're going to talk to me like you're going to talk to any one of your students. You would never speak to them like that. That's forget right. The, forget <laughs> the fact that I've been on the back for 25 years. You know, like it's I know nothing of how to operate it. So he was very good at the beginning. He he uh, we, he mowed me out a, a track up at the property and I have a dirt bike. So he I fell, I've fallen down and I've got bruises to prove. and uh so that but I'm getting better and uh but there's no way chance at all there's no chance at all that I would be taking that on the street so for me it would just be for running around the property having fun but there's too many hands and feet and and being aware and all this stuff which I could probably learn but I have no intention of taking that where there's asphalt and other cars yeah. yeah, I would probably just fall right off a motorcycle. So oh, it's I you give you what? a lot of credit. <laughs> when when you first because I've never driven with a clutch before. So I had to learn how to operate the clutch. And so he was teaching me how to do that. And the very first day, within an hour, and that I'm saying the hour is probably not maybe 45 minutes or whatever, I was riding on my own. Coming to a stop, that was another problem. I would basically Fred Flintstone it and put my feet down. And, <laughs> and I was told that wasn't how you're supposed to do it. No. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. And then and then because he's been riding for years, he enjoyed seeing me do this. So we would ride together. He would follow me and and uh, he would yell instructions, tell me what to do. Uh, so it's, it also became an activity we do together. So that was fun. That's great. Yeah. But I yeah, have I, fallen down on several, several occasions. <laughs> no broken bones though, right? No broken bones, okay. but I had a bruise that went from my knee all the way to the top of my thigh. Oh, Yikes. And, uh, and that was, that was fun. Mm. And um, that resulted in me drinking a lot of adult beverages when I got back to the trailer. <laughs> I bet. I was, 
I was not happy at that point. Um, and I still have a bit of the scar tissue to, to, to prove it. So, um, but he was, he would sit there and he'd be like, okay, I stopped hearing the engine. I either stalled it or I fell. So then he would come follow me and, but he never kind of coddled me. Mm. He's like, well, I can't drive both bikes back. So you better get on that bike and drive it back. Oh boy. I'd be like, sensitivity right there. Oh yeah. Right there. He's like, get on there. I can't help you. And, but meanwhile, you want to be coddled and taken care of. And he's like, right. Get on that bike and get it back. So it, it, but it was also good because he knew that if he did sit there and say, it's okay, baby, it's okay, baby, which I don't think he ever would. But if he did, um, I probably wouldn't get, I'd probably slow to get back on it again. There may be a fear involved, but mm-hmm. by me, by him forcing me to get back on it, it was like, yeah, you just do it. And I'm like, okay. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And, and it's a big part of our life. I mean, on the back of his Harley, we, we've driven to the east coast of Canada, to the west coast of Canada. We, a couple years back, we drove all the way out to Vancouver and then came back to the States. So we, uh, we've traveled all over on that bike. It's a big part of our life, what we like to do. So That's great. See, I, I'd be okay with that riding as passenger. <laughs> I don't see myself ever just yes, no, there's, taking... There's, no, there's no way. But with, by sitting on... I've been, like I said, that was our first date. He took me on the bike. And uh, I've been on the back ever since, and I'm more comfortable on two wheels behind him than I am in on four wheels on my own, basically. He's just such a good driver, and I've never had a worry and never had a care in the world. And that actually helps. I've, I've been known to fall asleep on the back. So that's kind of, I've been, so, I guess, so comfortable with him. I just kind of zone out. All right. So I would definitely fall off if yes. I fell well, you asleep are on the back. Your- you are jammed in there quite well, but yes, they, and the, one of the jokes was you can buy a harness for a child. So the child is strapped to the driver. And, uh, the joke was, he goes, I'm going to get you one of those, but there's no way yes. I, fit in them. I couldn't fit my thigh in one of them, but that's okay. All right. So social media mm-hmm. for me, it is a big chore. I, yeah, it is. It, it's frustrating sometimes between making yeah. graphics and knowing what to say. Is there a platform that you prefer? Um, I've been seeing more success, more interaction on Instagram. So I've kind of focused my attention on that. And I've copied this stuff over over onto my Facebook section. But really, it all stems from Instagram. And I know some people talk about Goodreads. I've tried to get into Goodreads. But it's, it's, again, there's just so much to do that I've kind of said you know I can't do everything all at once you know maybe I'll put something there but for the most part it's it's Instagram and you're right it's very troublesome getting to all the graphics together getting some kind of funny phrase to make people interact and it that part is very time consuming I try to do two or three at a time or at least that's when I start to oh I'm gonna do I'm gonna do two or three get it ready to go and then I, I do that once. And then, of course, I don't do it again. And then I'm struggling to get some kind of product out there. It is a lot, a lot of work. When you kind of first got into the journey of self-publishing, where did you go for information? How did you figure out what was next? Like everybody writes the book and then it's kind of like, OK, what now? I'm still learning that. Okay. Um, I everybody that I've not everybody but there's there's a lot that you find and they all I guess they publish on Amazon and they're Mm -hmm. part of the Kindle KU whatever program so I looked into that first and I'm not tech savvy I'm really I got overwhelmed by 
okay, I got to do that. I got to set up the account. I got to, you know, set up all these numbers and everything else. Like I was a little overwhelmed. Mm. So I didn't go that route right away. And then also the, I mean, the story was written, but you know, it wasn't edited. I did. I, I didn't know if it was good enough to just put out there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I'm still looking at doing that, but then also how do you find an editor? How do you find a person to your cover? How do you, you know? And so that's the part I'm still picking up pieces from different people. Mm -hmm. So when it came for me to take my first book and see how far I could roll with it, I, I looked and I found there were companies that would do this for you. And I thought, you know what, maybe since I don't know what I'm doing, maybe if I gave it to a professional to do it for me, that at least would get this started and then I could keep learning from there on. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, I did. It was, it, I obviously it's a little more expensive than if I did it myself because you have to pay people to do what they need to do. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it definitely gave me a way of having that comfort, knowing that us, all the points were going to be ticked off and nothing was going to be missed. So they, I paid for the editor, I paid, and then the package came with the cover and it came with releasing it on the different media outlets. So I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about where to find this from. So, I mean, I'd, I'd love to go with more of a a cheaper route and do it more myself. Mm -hmm. But again, I'd, I'd love to sit down with someone and just have them point out, you need to do this, 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 here's where to go for that and move on. But until that happens, yeah, I definitely, and I went back to them. I went back to Freeze and Press Publishing as well for the second book, and it got a little cheaper that way because they gave me a bit of a discount as a as a returning customer. But it was again, it gave me a sense of comfort. I didn't have to worry about doing something wrong. So that sounds very expensive. Like it yeah. sits in my face over here. I'm think I'm like <laughs> adding it all up. Um, well, I don't. I mean, how how much? I mean, you can you can answer this question for me. When it comes to getting a cover done and having an editor read it mm. and getting your ISBN numbers, like what would be the flat rate minimum do you think it would be to, to get that done? So I have no idea because I'm doing oh. everything myself, mm. um, but we've heard other authors say they spend $5,200 and up for a cover. And I think editing could be what, what Jasmine, like five hundred dollars and up I mean it it's crazy expensive um Mm -hmm. so that sounds like a perfect opportunity for me would be to find a press what would you say I should look for in the reputation of a press You, you actually that's interesting because when I when I typed in you know Um, I think I did uh, indie publishing or, you know, uh, self-publishing. I think I looked up and a couple of companies came up and, and I was like, okay. And then one name popped up in my head and it was there. And I said, I recognize that name. I recognize Freeze and Press. I couldn't have told you why at the time. I couldn't have told you why I recognized their name, but I did. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call them up. And their prices were, I think, in line with some of the other companies that, that I looked into. And so I was like, okay, they're not, they're a little more expensive, I think, than other companies, but not ridiculously out of the ballpark. So let me just, for whatever reason, let me just call these people first. And I mean, everyone seemed nice. They seemed very polite and very interested and, and all that. And then I found out that there's two sections of this company. There's one that's the publishing section and there's one that's the printing section and the printing section, um, 
did all my high, all my grade school yearbooks. Mm. So I guess in the back of my mind, I must have remembered by seeing it in my grade school yearbooks back in the day, this company. And for whatever reason, it triggered when I looked at it and I said, okay, you know what? Um, if all the prices are relatively the same and, and these people seem nice, I'm going to go with the nice people. And that's all I did. Right, right. I, I basically leaped in both feet and I took a chance and I, I wasn't let down. They were very nice and very professional and very helpful. And, and I said, you know what? It, you sometimes, at some point you've got to trust in others. And that was what I did with this one. Well, that's great. Great advice. I think, I think I have a question that's, I guess interesting. I'm I'm always curious. No, no, this is this, this is that was just a way to phrase it. Was fabulous. <laughs> no, because I'm always wondering this. I, I I ask I ask RJ these kind of questions all the time just to get an idea, but I don't know if she always knows how to answer them for me. So maybe you Uh-oh. can help me. Uh-oh. So I'm always wondering about the prices of books. I'm always curious as to what makes someone price something at. 99 cents today and then it seems like you know next week it's like okay now it's 2.99 now it's back to 99 cents is there something yeah. driving that is this something that a whole bunch of you know authors are doing is this a common practice is it just specific authors like what is what is it um well i've i've, I've noticed just from why seeing other people post their prices that it's almost like it's like an introductory sale price okay. i mean that's what I get the impression from, and then and then they put it to the regular price once they get people um, look looking into it and showing interest. Okay. Unfortunately, with doing this uh, company that did it for me, once my prices are set, if I want to make changes after the fact, it is going to cost me additional funds, uh, okay. um, like fifty bucks or whatever it was, something like that. So I tried to price it reasonable, and I learned from my first book. Part of the problem also with, with having a company do it for you, well, and I guess you work that in when you do it yourself as well. You know how much you spent. You're trying to recoup um, your money that you spent. Mm-hmm. So your base price is obviously going to be slightly higher than what it would be if, if it didn't cost you anything. You could price it anything you want. Mm-hmm. And if you priced it by self-publishing it through Amazon and stuff, obviously you can bring your prices down. So that I learned from my first book. My first book was priced a little higher than what I would have liked. And obviously I didn't, um, I would have seen, I think more traffic if it had been a little bit more in line with some of the other prices. So with the second book, I brought it down a little bit, but it's very hard, especially when it comes to the paperback book. I'd love to have a book priced like um, maybe in the, the five, six, seven, $8 range. Uh, for paperback, because I still see a lot more interest in the paperback version than I have in my e-version. I'm trying to get that out there to get show more interest. And uh, I find that I can't get the price down as low as I would have liked it to be. And it's also hard because the romance genre is so flooded yeah, that it's like if you're at the high end and everybody else is at the low end, yeah, it's like unless you're well known, I, I feel like it's hard to get that four ninety nine five ninety nine price point. Yeah, yeah, so it, it really is. For me, I always just try and figure like, okay, what would I pay for that ebook or that mm-hmm. print version? Yeah, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but yeah, and I think that's that's the way you have to go about it, right? And one of the pieces of advice that I got with the first one, they said if you price it too low, people might think it's not worth it. 
if you price okay. it too high, you get that point where people are like, well, I'm not going to pay that. So it's, it's finding that middle ground. Right. So when I priced um, the second book, Leather, Love and Tattoos, I went, you know what? I'm $2.99. I'd spend $3 on that. You know, right, like, right. I give it a whirl. And I, so I did the exact same thing you did. You know, what would I spend on something? What is too much for me? And I kind of use that as a guideline, which I think I would have, uh, I think I've learned from the first one that trust my own instincts a little bit more. And I brought it down a little bit, which I did see some more activity, just obviously not as much as, as, as I would if I was, you know, some kind of well-known, well-known author at the time. Do, do we think in books or in maybe in romance, psychology of people don't work the same way? Because like, I, I guess the way I, I think of anything is like, when I see Gucci, for instance, I know what the price tag on that is. And I also, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, equate that to be quality. If you can afford Gucci, you can, you know, so is, mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. not work with books? I, I don't, I will. I don't think so. Okay. I was going to say, I, cause I think it does. it's, it's the, it's the, well, why would I spend a dollar 99 on that book when I can get that book for 99 cents or free? Right. You know, so I, I think it does. I think it does go back to money when it comes to things like that. People just don't necessarily want to spend, you know, they, they want to go with the Walmart versus the Gucci. Okay. I, I personally have spent a, like nine ninety nine on a well-known published author's ebook. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, why am I spending this? But I was actually disappointed in the book. So it's like, I'm probably never going to spend nine ninety nine again yeah, with an yeah. ebook. That's that's quite high for an ebook, for sure. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, do you have time to read? And what do you read when you do have time to read? Um, I tend to read when I go to bed, and uh, that tends to be when I I kind of want to re- relax and, and zone out. If I don't just pass that on the couch and then just go to the bed, that's tends to be when, when I read and, and what I do, I like Nora Roberts. I can't help it. <laughs> she's uh she's my go-to. Um, I like reading her and I like reading uh, Lori Foster as well. And, and I just picked up, I never read her before and, and I don't know why, cause it was fantastic, but I picked up a Brenda Novak book. Um, I guess someone gave it to me or whatever. And I, and I read her for the first time and I really enjoyed her stuff. So I might put her in the, in the rotation. Okay. I've actually never read Nora Roberts. That's probably shocking to some people. <laughs> um, I saw As my mom, my mom's read like every Nora Roberts book ever yeah. written. I just, I don't know why, but I hear great things. So maybe I'll yeah. have to add that to my, you know what? I, I consider pile. her like the guru of romance novels. And I said, you know right. what? I, I, if I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm going to learn from the best. And so that's how I started reading her. Someone gave a few years back, somebody suggested I read one of her books and I did. And I was hooked from the beginning. And it's also when I have nothing else, I'm like, oh, you know, I have nothing new to read. Uh, you know, I'm going to go. And I've reread some of her series, even though I've, I've read it like a bazillion times already. I've gone back and reread it because I just really enjoy her characters and just the environment that she creates. So yeah, that's my go-to. And I suggest, yeah, picking up one of her books and you'll probably enjoy it. Well, that's a good sign if you can reread it. Because most of the books, I feel like you can't reread. Well, I mean, I'm not rereading them as soon as I put it down and pick it up again. No, no, yeah. There is a time frame, (laughs) but yes, there is a time, there's a lag time between it. But absolutely, I've I've gone back because I just, it's almost like, you know, picking up your favorite video and watching your favorite movie over again, so... 
Well, thank you so much, Anne, for talking with us. Well, thank you for having me back. (laughs) Thank you for doing this Truth be told, this is our second interview with Anne. (laughs) (laughs) Technology did not love us the first time. So, um, but thank you so much. It's always good to talk with you and we wish you. you much success. Oh, thank you. You too. If you made it this far, you survived another episode of Married to My Writing. Stay tuned for our next interview with Rachel Radner. Until next time. Hey.